Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. My name is Stephen Erickson and I'm a missionary with Adventist Frontier Missions and my wife and I have been working with the Gogodala people of Papua New Guinea for 11 years now. My name is Lori Erickson and I work with the Gogodala people of Papua New Guinea. I'm going to tell a story that we title Second Second Chance. Chance. We live in a remote area of Papua New Guinea that there are no towns or villages. Uh, There are villages but not any roads. So we live in a house off by ourselves outside of a village called Kewa. At night when the sun goes down it's very dark and we normally have very peaceful evenings but I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to us one New Year's night. It was New Year's Eve, a quiet time for us in our house just outside of Akewa Village. Relaxing in our living room, Steve and I talked about the challenges of the culture and issues that need to be addressed. It was after 10 p.m. and Steve started to doze off. I was looking at something on our phone when, roof, 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 Emmy, our previously sleeping dog, sounded the alarm that someone was outside. A loud knocking on the door followed. That's a bit unusual, I thought. Most people stay down on the ground and knock on their steps. This person is quite bold in coming right up to the door. I went to the door and just opened it a crack. We have a porch light. I turned it on and I could see there was a young man out there and I recognized him to be Pete, a young man that has worked for me in the past. But there was something strange about Pete. I could tell he was not really in his right mind. He was obviously drunk or high on on marijuana or something. Those are things that our young men out this remote area, they can get a hold of. Pete was a nice young man who had come to our church and Bible study class in the past. Plus, had been helping with our training center building project. Meanwhile, he was crying out, help me, help me. Pete said, dad, and you know, that's the term that most of the young men give me um, because it's a term of respect. They call me dad. He said, dad, I need help. So I said, Pete, just wait a minute. I'm going to help you, but I need to go inside the house. You stay here. I was thinking, I will go inside and ask Lori for some counsel, and also we'll pray about this, what we can do to help him. The minute I grabbed the door to open it, Pete lunged for the door. He pushed it open and went rushing into our house. Well, I instinctively grabbed him and threw him down to the floor, which is easy to do with a drunk man. And so he he just laid there on the floor, and I closed the door behind him because we don't want the mosquitoes to come in. And I asked him, Pete, have you been drinking? He said, no. Pete, have you been smoking? No. Well, then, by this time, my wife, Lori, she came walking over to the entryway. She had heard the commotion. The next thing I remember was a young man lying on the floor of our entry without a shirt on and his clothes were wet. I was looking at him trying to figure out who he was, so I asked, What's going on here? Who is this? And I said, I think it's Pete. 
What kind of help do you need? Steve inquired. I need money. I said, well, we're not going to help you with money right now. So I helped Pete up from the floor and helped him to sit down on the chair that was by our front door. I was going to keep him in our entryway, not to come into our house. Steve handed me his phone, and I went to the kitchen to try calling our friend and church member, who also happened to be a retired police officer. We needed some men to come escort Pete back to the village so he wouldn't get hurt or do any damage outside our house. Unfortunately, the, the cell phone service wasn't doing very well that night, and she was having trouble getting through to anybody. And so there we were in our house with this young man who was drunk. He was sitting there, and I was just keeping him from entering our house. Every so often, he would get up from his chair and he'd say, I'm tired, I want to go to sleep. And he would try to push his way into the house and I would gently put my arms around him and just put him back down onto the seat. This is not good. Why is it that our network problems right when we are having an emergency? Quickly I prayed to God for help. Things could get violent here. With no neighbors around us, I was feeling very vulnerable. As I kept trying to get through to our policeman friend, I watched Steve dealing with Pete in the entryway. Something happened. I asked Pete, would you like me to pray for you? Because I knew that this could be a spiritual battle. Satan finds ways into people's minds, especially when they're using drugs or alcohol. By this time, he had already admitted to me that he had been drinking. He changed his story a bit. I, so I said, Pete, could I pray for you? And he said, no. He did not want me to pray for him. I stood there for a few seconds, but then the thought occurred to me, you know, I need to pray for him anyway. So I just started to pray for him out loud. And I said, dear Jesus, please take away the powers of darkness here and help Pete to get the help that he needs. When I said amen, Pete got up from his chair and he made one more struggle to get into our house. He tried to push his way past me while I grabbed hold of him and just kind of held him gently. And this is when things turned ugly. He turned around and I'll never forget the look on his face. So there was, it didn't even look like Pete. He had this twisted, contorted look on his face and I saw this fist coming towards my face. To my horror, the next thing I knew, Pete was up on his feet and swinging at Steve. I watched Steve duck, then get hit in the face with Pete's fist. I went over to the entry yelling, stop, stop, but he kept on swinging. Quickly, I grabbed the decorative canoe paddle off the wall and started hitting Pete with it, first on the head, then on the shoulders. But after a few blows, the paddle was broken in pieces and all that was left was the handle in my hand. I ran to a window and yelled out towards the river, Help! We need help! I knew that was also in vain as my voice does not carry well outside like the Gogodala people. And that's the last thing I remember before coming up from the floor. I was knocked out immediately. I don't even remember feeling the first punch. But when I woke up, I saw Lori standing with a with a stick in her hand and she was threatening to hit Pete 
with this stick. I turned back to the entry in disbelief as I saw my husband sitting on the floor, leaning against the wall with a dazed look on his already swollen face. God, please help us. It was like a terrible nightmare, and all I wanted to do was wake up. When Pete finally stopped swinging punches, I became aware that there could be a demonic possession and commanded in the name of Jesus for Satan to come out. Repeating it a couple times, I heard Steve agreeing with me as he stood up. Pete just stood and stared at us, but at least he was quiet. Realizing that I had the canoe paddle handle in my hands, yet I took my stance about eight feet away and pointed it at Pete and commanded, Be still. When he started to talk, I ordered, Be quiet. Amazingly, he listened and sat down. In the meantime, I, I went and got our phone. I tried to send a text message, and I wasn't sure if the text message went through, but I sent a message that said, Please come to our house. Pete has come in a drunken state. He needs to be escorted home. Please come and bring some help with you. All the time we waited, I stood with my weapon, making sure that Pete didn't move. At one point, Pete looked at me wonderingly and asked, Are you Jesus? No, I answered, but Jesus is with me. Hmm, he grunted. What was he seeing, I wondered. I began to focus on that thought. Was there an unseen host of angels that kept him at bay? It was about 45 minutes later that a friend and and two other men came and they escorted Pete in the darkness back to his house. It was a miracle in my mind that there were no broken bones and Steve was not complaining of any pain. If there had been, we would have had to leave the village and possibly seek medical care in Australia. That would have been a victory for Satan that I was thankful he didn't get. During that week, our policeman friend came to our house and was discussing this incident with Pete. We were trying to figure out what the proceedings should be, whether we should press charges, what the next steps would be. It was difficult for us because This young man had been a friend of ours, and we didn't want to do anything that would hurt him. We wanted to do something that would help him. And so we prayed about it. Over the week, we felt impressed that maybe we should just not press charges at this point. It was the following Sunday after the incident that Pete and his father came to our house. Pete confessed what had happened, told about the incident in the evening of New Year's Eve, where he was out at the village cemetery drinking homebrew with some of his friends, and he saw two men come up to him that he did not recognize, carrying bush knives, and they threatened to kill him. It was at that point he ran for his life. I just wonder if those are the demonic spirits or beings, I I don't know, but He was afraid for his life, so he ran from from that place. First to the church in the village, not the Adventist church, but the local evangelical church. And they were having a program, New Year's Eve program in the church, and he walked through that church in a drunken stupor. They had several deacons that tried to catch him, 
but he escaped out the front door of the church and went running off into the dark, uh, went next to the the local church pastor's house. This was the pastor for this same church. And Pete went up and was trying to find hiding and safety inside this pastor's house. Well, as Pete was in this house sitting there, he heard some steps, some people coming up the steps of the house. And he thought this was the two guys that were threatening to kill him. Pete jumped out the window and disappeared into the night. He ran a couple places, both spiritual places. He didn't stay long because he felt scared and maybe some threat there. And so he quickly jumped out of a window or else ran down the stairs and ended up swimming across the creek where he came to our house asking for help. After telling us the story, he apologized for what he had done to Steve. At that point, we prayed for him and Steve asked him, would you like invite Jesus into your life? And Pete replied, yes. Then we both felt impressed that we should invite Pete to come back and work with the crew of young men that had already been helping us previously. I had him sign a contract, as I did with all the other young men, that they would not be using drugs or alcohol during the period of time that they are working for us. I wanted them to be have their minds clear and Pete became one of my best workers. Gradually, Pete became more interested in spiritual things, and he wanted some Bible studies. He wanted to learn more about the Bible and about Jesus. And so I had the privilege of seeing Pete be baptized just six months after this incident happened. And so I praise God for, for his working, taking a bad situation and making something good come out of it. For more information about our missionaries or the mission field, visit afmonline.org. That's afmonline.org. Thanks for listening, friends. God bless.